This week, we talked about two new, not really politicians, running for Senate and tensions between Russia and Ukraine. You're listening to Politics Politics, and this is the week of 1 2 2022. everyone i hope you've been having a nice couple of weeks it's a it's a brand new year now folks it's 2022 so let us kick off our first episode remember last year when russia decided to bring a whole lot of troops and place them right on the ukraine russia border well folks it's happening all over again and let me give you a little history russia wasn't russia forever it used to be the soviet union and ukraine used to be part of the soviet union But after an attempt to take the current leader of the Soviet Union out of power, the Soviet Union split up. And while it still left the humongous country of Russia, other smaller countries managed to gain independence, such as Belarus, Ukraine, and Georgia, not the state, the country. And 12 others also gained independence. Now, Russia has invaded Ukraine before, back in 2014, and they actually annexed land, basically invading the land and taking it over, occupying it, and it's now Russia's. And this was great for Putin. His approval ratings went up a great amount. But the other thing is, he's made it very clear that Russia and Ukraine shouldn't have separated. It was a humongous tragedy. And Ukraine, they seem to have other thoughts. But regardless, Putin once again has decided to mobilize more than 100,000 troops, and it's the second time in less than a year that he's done it. First, back in spring, when Putin did it, he left some equipment there, making it clear that he could just as easily send the troops back, and he did. Now this time, it seems much more serious, because the reports have shown that Russia is able to mobilize up to 200,000 more troops if they need to, And the global response is a lot more serious than before. The USA is providing um, Ukraine with high-tech weapons, but the weapons can't be at the front lines because Russia would find an excuse to take that as, oh no, America's threatening by sending Ukraine weapons to use on the front lines. And Germany, as well as the USA and other countries, are preparing sanctions, which are essentially these types of restrictions or added taxes on exporting or importing products. And in some cases, it could be where you just don't have any trade or products to be imported or exported from a certain country. And Nord Stream 2, a newly built pipeline that transports gas from Russia to Europe, is playing a lot in these sanctions. And the thing is, it's a tad bit risky to involve the sanctions with Nord Stream Because most of the gas that Europe gets is directly from Russia. And if Russia is sanctioned through the pipeline, they might break some rules and just decide to withhold the gas from Germany and other countries. And Germany is heavily reliant on outside sources of gases because Germany doesn't have many of its own sources of gases. And it just shows you why so many countries were against the pipeline being built in the first place because It just gives all these European countries further reliance on Russia, and that certainly won't help in the future, and it's showing now. Of course, the money from the gas pipeline is needed for Russia as well, so it will hurt both sides, but Germany needs the gas. The peace talks, the ongoing peace talks that are also going on, 
doing a whole lot either, frankly. Russia demanded that Ukraine can't join NATO, and essentially NATO is the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Um, it includes 25 European countries, including France, Germany, Belgium, and then there's the USA and Canada. Now, all of these countries that are well-developed countries work together to ensure each other's safety and to solve climate, military, and other world solutions. Now, Ukraine isn't a developed country, but they are making progress. But that still doesn't put them in a great position to be added. Also, Russia and Ukraine have been battling for years now. It wouldn't be a smart decision in any way for NATO to just accept a country that's been having this dispute for many years now and just inherit this problem. And frankly, it's not likely that Ukraine's going to join NATO until this entire issue's over with. But when will that happen? No one knows. It happens when Russia back down, backs down. But it's not very likely that Ukraine's going to join NATO until this entire issue gets over with. And that will happen once Russia backs down, which doesn't seem like that's going to happen anytime soon, if ever. But that's still not enough for Putin. He wants complete assurance that Ukraine won't join NATO. Because frankly, Russia can stand up to a country individually. But a whole band of some of the world's most powerful countries coming together, Russia, they can't stand to that. In fact, Putin claimed that the reason all of this was happening was because NATO came to their border. Russia didn't expand outwards. NATO came to them. And when Putin says this, he was talking about how there are mo mo missile systems in Poland and Romania. And he says that they're a threat to Russia. Now, folks, Poland and Romania don't even share a border with Russia. They border Ukraine, which then goes on to border Russia. There is a solid 780 miles between the capital of Poland and the capital of Russia. And there's an even larger 1,110 miles between the capital Bucharest of Romania and the capital Moscow of Russia. I mean, it's like back in spring when Russia was just looking for the smallest excuses to attack. They, they, they said that if Ukraine somehow provokes them, that they will take action. That's what they were like back in spring. And they haven't changed. They're continuing this really weird way of just taking small things and justifying ill-thought-out actions. And, I mean, what would Ukraine possibly do? They know that their army is no match for Russia. It's gone to the point where tens of thousands of civilians are training to defend Ukraine. And it makes sense. Russia is much more technologically and societally developed than Ukraine. And Russia has a much more powerful army. Ukraine knows this. Of course they're not going to attack Russia. It's, it, I don't know, it's a weird example. But it's like, you know, just you're at school and you want to challenge the winner of a chess tournament. And you know they're much better than you. They know more strategies. They play many more games. But you still want to challenge them. And, and just to hype it up, you're like, you know what? 50 bucks. And it's so obvious that they're going to win. But you just do it anyways. It, Ukraine knows this. They won't challenge the chess champion. They know that the chess champion will win. They're not going to risk all of the progress they made as a country. And plus, them and everyone else wants peace. What does Russia want for that peace? For Ukraine not to be able to join NATO. But it, if it can be bargained down to something less than that, something that the U.S. and NATO is fine with, hopefully, hopefully this can all be over with. For at least...
fighters? I don't know. Russia doesn't back down easily. But until then, expect more military exercises and bad excuses. Folks, a cardiothoracic surgeon and a college football star are the next two biggest names in the Republican Party. And both of them have revealed that they are running for Senate. One in Pennsylvania and one in Georgia. Now, you may be thinking, wait, this isn't the usual state House representative member that we get running for Senate. I mean, what would get a surgeon and a football star to into this race? And what advantage do they have? Well, that is fame. Mehmed Oz, the surgeon, was a health expert on The Oprah Show. The Oprah Show averaged 17 million viewers per show. It was very successful. And Oz gained recognition on the show, managed to get his own talk show, which also turned out to be quite successful. However, five years into his talk show, he had to testify in front of the Senate on misleading viewers and promoting products like miracle weight loss pills. And even just in 2020, the President Trump acknowledged him for promoting hydroxychloroquine, which is a proven to be ineffective against the virus. Mr. Herschel Walker was a star college football player for the University of Georgia, where he also won the Heisman Trophy. And so if you're not big on tr- football, I'm not big on football. It's basically just the trophy that goes to the best college football player for that year. And Mr. Herschel Walker, he continued to go on to play in the NFL. But on the other end, he also had his own controversial past. He's violently threatened his ex-wife. He's over-exaggerated the success of his business, such as the amount of people he's hired, the amount of jobs he generated. And he's massively over-exaggerated how much his money, Renaissance Man Food Services, has processed. And according to the Associated Press, his business generates $1.5 million a year. And that's good. But he was claiming that it made 70 to $80 million a year which is such a different number from the truth. Now, both Mehmet and Herschel have troubled paths, but do any of them have any political experience whatsoever? Well, barely. The most political thing Mehmet Oz has really done is he occasionally goes on to Fox News to talk about health issues and the virus. And he has publicly like supported Republican candidates back in New Jersey. That's pretty much it, nothing very political. Now, Herschel Walker, on the other hand, does have slightly more experience. He spoke at the RNC, the Republican National Convention, and it's the convention they hold in which they announce, like, officially announce the Republican presidential candidate. And before that, he was a member of the President's Council on Fitness and Nutrition. But it's not anything that you look and say, like, well, this is a well-experienced, or even, like, moderately experienced. Nothing really is too politically heavy. Mehmet is currently without the former President Trump's endorsement, and in Pennsylvania, the last Republican Trump endorse dropped out of the race decently early due to family issues, and no one really knows if Trump is going to endorse another candidate in Pennsylvania. Plus, Mehmet, he isn't the type of candidate Trump is looking for, because he's not all in for Trump's the election wasn't rigged and the vaccine doesn't work. If Mehmet does try to become this hardcore Republican just to get a Trump endorsement, 
Sure, it will make it easier to get votes and get the seat, but it will obviously ruin what people know him for. He's a surgeon who wants to educate and motivate people to get healthy and stay healthy. Sure, he lies occasionally, but he also does plenty of, of good. And if he turns into a heavy Trumpist and still loses the race, that'll ruin his entire public image. Herschel Walker, on the other hand, is already a good friend of Trump. He spoke as R at the RNC, as I said earlier, very positively about Trump, about how Trump always wants to make everyone feel special and do what's right. And Walker already has the president's endorsement. And the thing is, Walker is currently leading all Republican candidates at the poll by 60%. And it's not because he has a great track record in politics or anything. It's because he's willing to lie and to mislead to get votes. And at the same time, he claims to be fighting for the people of Georgia. I mean, it's, it's hypocritical. But anyways, good old Mehmet Oz announced his candidacy because he was disappointed by the United States' response to the coronavirus and feel that we sacrificed too much and got nothing. He's been living in Pennsylvania for less than a, two years, however. He, it's not like... I've been with Pennsylvania for so long. It's nothing like that. He's only been there, for, living there for two years, less than two years. Herschel Walker is running to keep Georgia running conservative, the way it used to before it turned blue. And Herschel chose football over completing college. Out of the two, Herschel is probably the best fit for politics in 2022, and he is important in endorsements and heavy lead over his fellow candidates. But he shouldn't celebrate just yet, because he's going to have to face Raphael Warnock, who's fought hard to win his seat in the special election back last year, and Mehmet, although Mehmet is in a worse position than Herschel, he's a national name, and that will attract undecided voters and help him with getting donations from all over the country, giving him a very large kickstart, even though he started a bit late. He has this national fame kickstart over the other candidates. Well, folks, that was pretty much it for this week. But I still do have one more weekly roundup. And though it is a bit old, I want to do it. Remember a couple of months ago when we talked about the debt limit and how if we didn't raise it, we wouldn't be able to pay our military members and more. And Congress managed to raise it, but only to let us pay for our Social Security bills till December. Well, folks, Congress got together and Mitch McConnell made the Democrats take another step by encouraging his fellow Republicans to vote with him to approve a bill that would let the Democrats increase the debt limit with just 50 votes and the Democrats have 50 members. And so that's all they needed, the 50. And with that, the Republicans didn't need to support the Democrats in the final bill, which is what Mitch McConnell and the Republicans had made it clear it was something the Democrats had to do alone. And they all worked together to make it possible for the Democrats to do it alone. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to join our mailing list. All you need to do is send an email to politicsmalitics2020 at gmail.com. You can find that email on our website. Also, feel free to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It's a great way to help this podcast get bigger and send me feedback. Plus, feel free to tell your friends, family, aunt, uncle, anyone you really want about this podcast. Spread the word. 
You were listening to Politics Politics, and this was the week of 1, 2, 2022.